Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. As always, please like, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a review. It helps out the show. In this episode, we continue our conversation on the Gnostic idea of different levels of being, but we take a more relational approach and highlight the potential changes to one's relationships, specifically as they begin to experience shifts in their viewpoints and outlook on the world. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jen and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. I want you to get together. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Hey, fellow GNTers, those of us who like our spirituality with a twist. So we are continuing on with our discussion of in a way, Gnosticism, we're really not talking about Gnosticism. All we're really doing is just using this as a way of kind of getting the conversation starter, which is probably what Gnosticism was about anyways, just to get the conversation started. <laughs> it's a gateway. Right? It's a gateway conversation starter. Actually, I think Miguel Connor, even when, you know, because we're doing it a little bit in honor of him coming onto the show. Uh, and uh, he says, like, it's like, probably like what in Alexandria in, in uh, like 200 AD, they were talking about in cocktail parties, <laughs> something mm. like that. Have you heard about the latest Gnostic thing? <laughs> yeah, they say Yahweh is bad. No shit. Cocktail. Um, all right. Anyway, so we, we last, last week on this, I wanted to continue on with this one point of discussion. And uh, I just feel like there was a little bit something else I wanted to explore with it with you, Daniel, because I think we did a good job with it, but we kind of have like more of a theoretical conversation and I wanted to have a very practical conversation. Oh, you know me, the Capricorn in the building loves practicality. Well, okay. So I'll get to it. I feel like on this, on this little thing that we're doing, sometimes we talk about things and we're trying to do an educational thing. We're trying to get stuff out to people in that sense. Other times we're trying to like, okay, so here's the educational part and here's how this feels personally. Mm. So I think sometimes we're trying to do the personal part. And I don't know if we did the personal part totally. So that was my idea. So I was just thinking, okay, let's continue on with this a little bit. It's kind of funny because it's almost like we would have to have a promo from the last week. Last week on Gin and Tantra, mm-hmm. Daniel and Eric talked about, and then we'd have like the thing going back. But last week on Gin and Tantra, Daniel and Eric talked about the three levels of being in Gnosticism. And they have a similar thing in Buddhism. And the idea is that you got people who are just kind of on different levels. Now, sometimes in those traditions, and so... Some people are very, like, I guess you'd say materialistic people, not in the sense that they're even greedy or something like that, but in the mm-hmm. sense that they're just kind of people who are oriented towards this world. And, you know, that's maybe even all that they think exists. And that's who they are. And then other people are kind of in the middle. And other people are really strongly, for whatever reason, they're really strongly like motivated by questions of spirituality with a twist. So they want to do this thing. So there's kind of different people who are kind of approaching their lives in different ways. And the Nazism, they say that's almost intrinsic because there are people who are more of this place and there are people who are more um, uh, transcendent of this place or something. And I think the first time I really got exposed to this idea was through a friend of mine back from grad school when I was doing my Chinese medical acupuncture herbalism thing. And he talked this way. And I was like, I had never heard anyone talk that way before. And he had a teacher through, um, oh shit, I can't remember the name. What's the name of Yogananda's school? Paramahansa oh, Yogananda? Like uh, um, through the Kriya Yoga schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, a, he had a teacher through that school, but the American lady. And they talked this way about people who had different levels of being and all this. And I was like, okay, I never heard this shit before. Because essentially, and we talked about this last week, in Buddhism in general, tantric Buddhism, you talk about someone having a Buddha nature. They, everyone, and everyone has that the same. It was the first time people were talking about, well, maybe there's differences in this. You know, maybe intrinsically beings are different even at the core. 
And there are some Buddhists who maybe talk this way. I think sometimes you hear this, I think associated with the Sangha, one of these really famous sort of old school Buddhists. Anyways, it's this question around this. And I think in our conversation, we would both agree, well, we're not into that. We're not going to say people are different at the core or something like that. You know, say that like uh, some people are more inclined to get enlightened and some people are more inclined just to like open up a used car dealership on uh, 167th Street. I mean, we're not going to say that. <laughs> you know, we're, gonna, we're not going there. We're going to go and like be kind of a Buddhist about it. And I think we agree. Say everyone has a Buddha nature. And so we had this conversation about this and and I think we talked about it well, and I think you were kind of bringing up the issue to my ear, something like, well, you know, people are in different places at different times, and you can have compassion for people in all kinds of different places at different mm -hmm. times, which is very nice. But my thought was, there's kind of like a practical side to this for a person who's trying to go through and change their life. And I wanted to make sure that we just kind of did that subject matter justice, which we kind of talked about, but maybe I wanted to go a little bit more into it. Sure. So I know, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> all right. So I wanted to give an example story. And I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast at all. It came up at some point earlier. But back in the day when I was doing my first Zen retreats, uh, I was at like a place where people were very experienced. The Zen master from Japan was Hosokawa Roshi. They were awesome. I was learning a lot. I went to the very first really long one. And a couple of the more experienced people said, okay, what are you doing when you get out of this? And I said, well, I'm getting picked up by my significant other at the time. She was picking me up. And uh, they said, okay, we're going to tell you something. <laughs> mm. You're not going to believe us, <laughs> but you're going to freak her shit out. <laughs> mm -hmm. So just be aware of this. You're going you're to come out and you're not going to be the same person. You don't feel that different, but you're going to be really different. And you can believe us or not believe us, but just be aware of this because it's going to freak her shit out. And I was mm. like, really? Because I didn't feel that different. And they were saying, no, your energy, the way you're vibing, all of it, even on almost like a sort of a level of chi, vibrational, whatever, it's just going to be, it's going to be very different. And I was like, I wasn't like, I didn't believe them. I wasn't like being skeptical or anything. I just like, it was hard to really imagine that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was a guy in my twenties and I was like, well, okay, am I hear what you're saying? And I, I took it seriously. And I was coming out of the retreat. It's a, was the Japanese Cultural Center, which was on Delmont Avenue in Chicago. I'm not sure if it's still there. They ran all these really great Buddhist retreats. Got out, went to the car. And I think it was like some old shitty French car. <laughs> we had like a Renault or something. Mm. <laughs> so uh, poor students, you know. Ooh la la. Like a poor student of like, uh, like Zen. <laughs> You know, anyways, so uh, opened the door and I was like, okay, I know this is going to, apparently they were telling me this is going to be really weird. So I just said, uh, you know, hi, honey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Something really nice. <laughs> That's being really sweet. And she literally like flinched and almost like cracked the back of her head on the, on the driver's side. You know, she was just like flinched back. It's good the door was locked and didn't pop open because she would just tumbled into traffic on Belmont Avenue. It would have been like not good, but it was just this, it was just recoiling. And I was like, whoa. And she was like, just like, it's hard to, because the words that came my mouth were, you know, hi, hi, honey, or hi, baby, how you doing? You know, you know, whatever. It wasn't anything jarring. I didn't say like, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Answer this question now. I just was like a normal greeting. That was like nice. Had you brushed your teeth that day? Yeah, it was all good. Okay. And I had showered. Everything was cool. <laughs> okay. You, know, all right. you shower a lot in Zen retreats. You take these baths, you soak them the salts. I was probably very like, my skin probably looked pretty good. You know? <laughs> Maybe it was your <laughs> radiant beauty. I don't know. But it, was, it was like literally like a shock and a recoiling. I, I can still kind of see it in my, in my mind. I was like, okay, this is, this is real, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like I legitimately, something had changed to the point where like after one sentence, she was already like, you know, like flinching back, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think the thing that gets me with this from what we were talking about last week is, yeah, I think ultimately, I don't think intrinsically people are different at the core. I, I, I'm not going to give up my feeling of no, Buddha nature is the same in all people, core of the soul or the spirits, the same in all beings. That's pretty quintessential tantric buddhist point of view and uh i'm in but on a relative level yeah people are in different places pretty dramatically you know and i wanted to just have this make sure we had this practical conversation and i thought about this experience to share and i thought yeah <clears throat> like uh you really you really will change like you'll be a different person 
and it creates a kind of an odd problem where all of a sudden, not even like with your intention, because I had no intention of freaking her shit out. <laughs> I had every intention of not freaking her shit out, but that was obviously just different. And, and so I was thinking about that. And the, the other part that struck me about this, Daniel, is I, I think you almost have to change and it could be on that energetic level, like maybe my little experience coming out of the retreat, but probably also just on the level of like, um, probably your your mind, your thoughts, your beliefs about a lot of things will probably change. And probably things that are even maybe core, you know, to who you are, or who your relationships are with other people. So I don't know, I was thinking like, probably your attitudes towards work or your attitudes towards family or love and relationships and what's meaningful in the life and how you want to spend your time and you know what has value. I, I think these things will probably change. And as I was thinking it through prepping for the episode, I thought, well, if nothing changes, I find that even hard to imagine. Like what the heck would be happening that you wouldn't change your mind about things if you were really like investing yourself in something. If you like go into the psychologist or something and you never changed, what would be the fucking point? Why would you keep going? You know, if you just were like the exact same person every week, no, there's no point in doing it, right? you have to change. So I would find it hard to imagine not changing. And if you really didn't change, then you'd have to say, probably nothing's happening. <laughs> if you were going to go and say, okay, all my attitudes, values, beliefs are exactly the same way they were before I started this process. I mean, how could that even be? And what would be the point? You know, if you took your attitudes or towards everything and you just laid them out relative to everybody else around you, and you found that they hadn't changed at all, you know, when you're going through some kind of process of transformation, then you're probably not transforming <laughs> and there's probably nothing too much happening. So I, I just, yeah, I, I think it's an important subject matter because you, if you, if you think about all the things that you might've thought before, all the in Buddhist terminology, tantric Buddhist terminology, that talk about the conventional truths of your culture. If those all stay the same, then what are you just the same person you were for, but now you just happen to meditate and your mind is like more calm in some generic way or something. I just don't see how that's possible, you know? I, I don't I don't think it's going to happen practically and uh, and I I don't know what it would mean if like it didn't happen <laughs> all right so that's my little beginning spiel what do you think about all that I was curious to see what your reaction would be well there's a number of a number of things that you're kind of discussing first of all is one that I like to call like habituation or solidification meaning that the things that you are doing in your life are strengthening your the the ideas of who you are, you know, so like there's a Carlos Castaneda likes to say, you know, you are the way you tell yourself you are, you know, so the yeah, things that you're something like watch what you do with your mind, because you're creating who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in terms of just who people are on a regular basis, they do things, I think, out of habituation, there's just a momentum that's just life. And that's that. Now, on the other hand, people who are looking to create change, looking to have, I don't know, some improvement, perhaps some kind of different outcome based on their efforts then they'll you know go down this road of seeking things that you know will claim to elicit you know this change and perform whatever it is that the people are suggesting if they trust those kinds of people so there's there's kind of two parts in here there's the, the long part and the short part the the long part is this sort of lifelong practices of like yoga meditation writing, you know, whatever form that you, you kind of choose from. And meditation is obviously, it's not just counting your breath, which Zen is one, but there's numerous other types of meditation, you know, um, that these are sort of, it's the water that's dripping on the stone year after year that causes the, the stone to become slightly eroded, you know, and over time it has that effect on it. I think and, I would say about that Daniel, real quick, because <clears throat> sure. I had no intention of like uh, watering and stoning with this person at all. It just pff, happened. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyways, I just wanted to throw it out. Sure, because, sure. You know, it's not just a, it's not just a, a, the long process of it. Anyways, I didn't want to kill your flow. No, 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 you're all good. I just thought I would want to throw that out. But that's, but that, that that's the, the long, but the long, long trajectory of those practices is to have this kind of like larger, larger transformation that occurs. And then you, so that's the long part, right? And then there's the short part. When you go on retreats or when you use even like psychedelics, it's this highly concentrated transformational experiences that then resonate throughout the entire being, whether you're aware of it or not. Now with psychedelics, you're very aware of it. It's very obvious. But if you go on a you know really intense retreat for four, five, 10 days, two weeks, in the grand scheme of things, that's a, that's a tiny amount of time. It seems long when you're there for sure. 
but you're, you have broken all of your habituation patterns. So you're not getting up at the same time. You're not eating the same foods. You're not going to work. You're not interacting with your partners or your friends or your coworkers. You're not seeing the same things. You're doing something over and over and over again. You're creating a new routine. And that new routine then from the inside out causes change. And it, and it, does, it almost doesn't matter what the routine is. But if you're doing you know, meditation, yoga, whatever the case is, whatever you're working on, the change is profound because you have for once broken the entire pattern of your existence that has been moving basically off inertia, no offense, but it's true, you know, and you're doing something totally different in those moments. You are a different person. You're you, but you're dipped in a different water, you know, and all the, everything that comes out of it then is going to be kind of drastic. I know when I came home from, I did a month long uh, retreat in Costa Rica for like some yoga training, one of my friends, I came, I walked into the gym and I've been gone for at that point, like five, six weeks. He goes, he walks in, he goes, God damn, you're smooth. You know, I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I feel like stress just bounces off of you like Neo in the matrix, you know, like, and I hadn't said anything. I just walked into the gym. Yeah, That's the trippy part, right? Yeah. Yeah. People just who know you just, uh, I mean, even on that, you're talking about what, just like, you haven't even opened your mouth to say anything that Correct. I found yet, let alone when you open your mouth, you start saying shit. But, you know, you haven't even opened your mouth yet. Just energetically, the person's like, whoa, okay, you're a different person than you were before. Well, Eric, remember when I came home from Peru the first time, you know, when I came back and we, we had lunch down at, you know, at uh, Pacific College in downtown Chicago, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, even then you were like, oh, you're, you're yeah, you're in a different headspace. You're a different yeah. Headspace. Uh -huh. You know, yeah. and, and in a, it's, in a, it's it's in a beautiful way too, right? Yeah, and well, for and people this who are, for people who appreciate the change, for sure. But we and can this, certainly talk about that where you, where you end up going. I'll finish what you're saying. I don't want to. Cut no, 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 no. This, yeah, I'll finish here. This is this is the, the the kind of the important point is that it is really really important to break your routine in order to focus on things that are important for you, even if it's just for two days you know, or three days, better 15 days or 90 days or whatever, you know, but you give yourself the opportunity to leave everything behind for a little bit and dive into whatever it is that you're doing. And then you can integrate that back into your life. But if you're only contributing a small amount of time to it, you're never really going to get a chance to feel what it is to be in it, to be immersed in it. You know what I'm saying? Like we can go swim, we can go take a salt bath in a flotation tank, a deprivation tank, you know, but it's not the ocean. It's not the ocean, it's salt water, but it's not, you know, it's not the, you know, the, the salineous uh, liquid that we all love and know to be the, the oceans. So you say you tap into the ocean and all of a sudden uh, a different kind of uh, mojo starts appearing within who you are. Yes, yes. So, okay, so, so on the one part, we, I kind of gave an example that was sort of more like, from my experience, kind of like the energetic layer, right? Yeah. And that's what you said happened in the gym. You just strolled in and people were like, oh, shit. Look at this guy. Yeah. Mr. Smooth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he has a shield of like emotional, like invulnerability and yes. in a very gentle and delicate way. Yes. Uh, so anyways, I was trying to come up with other examples of this and I was like searching through recent conversations because now you can say like what you actually think, which will probably change. And it's going to be an interesting question that when you have to deal with people who aren't coming from that same headspace, if you want mm -hmm. to frame it in, a Gnostic way, I suppose you can, because it's good maybe at least to understand how different people's worldviews are. It's a little biased, obviously, because you say, okay, I'm the spiritual person and this other person has this lower view than me. You and I both kind of react negatively to that. We don't like Yeah, that. I don't, I, I actually, when someone says that, I believe them not to be spiritual at all. Yeah. I, I believe them to be existing in a, in a mind in their, their, in their own mind. So I can't say some Gnostic person writing that isn't spiritual. Personally, I can't say a Sangha isn't a spiritual person. It's just a question of what attitude you take towards how that seems. But I do understand what you're talking about. I mean, it's and, just and an, my it, gut level reaction is kind of the same. But I'm also like, well, they're being kind of pragmatic maybe about how this actually is. Which, and that's the tension in the conversation. There's yeah. the ideal aspect. And there's a kind of like, oh, there's a there's a pragmatic question. But anyways. So I had this, I had this idea. Um, and I don't know how, how deep I'll get into it, but th there was a question that I was asked and the response to that question was another question that I sort of developed. And maybe we'll talk about it at some point, but the question was, what is freedom? And as I asked that question this past weekend, because I led a, a, a retreat over the weekend, and as I'm asking this question in life, um, a couple of things came up. One, 
I don't know what it is because if I'm asking, I haven't experienced it long enough to know, you know, what it is as a, as a working kind of experience for myself. But number two, um, in numerous situations. And so one of the things that came up for me yesterday, actually, is this idea of freedom from appearance. And appearance is on the mundane level, right? And so as a kind of, you know, I can't say, like I said before in the podcast, I can't say that I'm Buddhist, but I can't say that I'm not Buddhist either, you know? And this idea of being free from, free from appearances on an external uh, viewpoint means that I'm going to try and see the, the deeper aspects of the person in, in terms of like their pure Shen or their pure spirit or their pure soul or their Buddha nature, whatever we want to use. And that is untainted right? It's, it's unblemished, it's gold, it's white, it's whatever you want to see, it's all the colors. And from my perspective, only for me, I have that for everybody as best as I can when I'm not like, you know, bothered by the, you know, whatever news of the day or something like that, you know what I'm saying? And so because of that, this is the, the goal that I, this is the, my, my goal is to see everybody like that. And, and ideas when someone says someone is or is not that way, you know, from a spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual perspective, I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, maybe their actions don't say that. But inside, I have to believe that they're that way because I believe that I and them are the same. I had that same thing like coming out of my psych background, too. And it's a problem that I've been thinking about for a while, which is probably why I wanted to double back on this. Mm-hmm. Freedom is kind of a weird question. You know, is it just a word for nothing left to lose? No, I don't think that's true. That's the old like Janis Joplin song or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all right. So on the one hand, you could talk about like, because I'm in on this, like all the Zen and the Tantric Buddhism and Taoism of this, I'm in. So there's a kind of a moksha, which is a freeing of the spirit. Mm-hmm. But we did these psychological episodes too. You know, we talked about like uh, Carl Rogers a little bit. I don't know how we labeled those things, but it was sort of like, how do you express what you feel to be an authentic psychological version of yourself, mm-hmm. right? So there's something about feeling in the moment that you can be free to kind of be who you are. So I could see both of those things being kind of different levels of freedom or something like that, right? To be able to act in the immediate. So I think, I, I mean, obviously I agree, we agree on some level when I go around in my meditation that the freedom from like the appearances of things is somehow from a Buddhist tantric point of view going and doing the visualization and you almost like feel like you can see that person's shit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Now, some of that you're, purposely trying to meditate that out to create that feeling you know sometimes what you'll do is you'll put whatever your practice is let's say you do a certain uh trick practice like you do tara so when you see that person is tara which is something we'll have to talk about that meditation at some point we haven't yeah but where you sort of start visualizing people as divine beings it's come up here and there in our conversations yeah so then you also see their pure spirit which is what formless and beautiful and light Mm -hmm. and brilliant and whatever like that's something that you purposely do and it'll change how you feel about people mm-hmm. it's for reals it, in psychology yeah go ahead uh-huh and i just i just i did i did it last night i was having an issue with someone and at the moment then my that, that thought came to my head or somebody some being was like freedom from appearance and then i saw this person one way and pop instantly i saw him a totally different way and i was like oh man yeah they're not they're not cool they're not doing good things but like look at who they are you know it's yeah, okay yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the tension in a weird way, right? And I've had to deal with this. No, I totally agree with you. So it's hard to like, we'll do something on that meditation practice because it's hard to believe that you just do some weird moment of like, wait a minute, I'll see them as whatever I like to see yeah. divine beings as. Yeah. And Buddhism, tantric Buddhism, usually see them in some divine form related to the tantric yeah. practice that you do. So, you know, I, you do the thing and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I feel totally different about this person. It just flips a switch inside of you really strong. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to fully imagine it would be that way. But when you do it, it actually is that way. And you're like, okay, this person was really irritating me. Now they don't seem so bad. And uh, right. I'm perfectly at peace with them. Yeah. And we're going <laughs> and to they dinner. Seem, they seem quite lovely. Yeah. And we have dinner reservations at seven. So we're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I got over this. Yeah. I could spend the whole night less uh, rest of the evening with them and I could just keep visualizing them in this way and they won't be boring and irritating in any way whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> the way they normally are. Uh-oh. Um, whoops. Said that, said that out loud. Um, so, but you know, it happens in psychology too, because you sort of think, okay, people do have an authentic self that mm-hmm. wants to come out and you believe that this is true, but for a lot of folks, it ain't coming out now. Correct. And that's, that's, the, that's the tension of this. I mean, that's exactly like on point of what this is to deal with that thing. And it also, again, so the other example I was trying to give, I was trying to think of things lately where I've had conversations with people who are like, okay, I'm gonna say some shit that they don't think you know, mm-hmm. because we're coming at this from a completely different way of looking at the world. So I had um, 
a text exchange with someone from my hometown. We got in touch back again through social media. We probably know each other better than we did back then. We just, she and I lived on the same street, the same street as George Saunders. Oh, wow. <laughs> the writer. We were all on the same street. A famous, street. It's a famous street. Victoria Drive. Um, so, uh, yeah. So we're all on this street and, uh, and I, you know, we've known each other since back in high school, probably even a little bit before then. And we just restruck up kind of a friendship as people do now in the social media era. I haven't talked in years, but I was like, Hey, and, uh, so she sent me a text, something about her reaction to the war in Ukraine. And she kind of described herself as a very sensitive person, almost like she uses this highly sensitive person label for herself. Some people do, you know, like that psychological labor, so label. So she says, why am I HSP? You know, and this war thing is very difficult for me because, you know, I'm like uh, uh, really affected by this. And I was like, I totally get it. You know what I mean? I'm affected too. You watch those things and it's heartbreaking, right? Um, any of those war torn things. Ukraine's getting more publicity of you and I have talked about off camera, what's going on in other places, maybe they all should get that publicity. But if you watch any of that, you'll be like, yeah, that's really, really painful, right? And I, I, I tried to write back something, I guess that I really felt. So I wrote back and said, you know, I, I don't, I don't watch it all the time. Now, I can't do it personally. I know if you do, do you watch that kind of footage on a daily basis? I, I don't, I would say that I, I check in but I'm, I, I check in and I sort of, I'm looking for the other parts. You know, I'm looking for the, 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 the trend lines and see where things are going. Uh, I try not to, in the beginning, yeah, for sure, I was definitely locked in. But I, you know, have learned just from my own personal experience, being in those kind of environments and whatnot, that it's yeah, better. You've been, a, you've been in the military, you've been in war places, right? Yeah, places. you know, like. And especially right after, you know, like when I, when I went to Iraq, this was right after we late, you know, what we did to that country um, was what I think Russia wanted to do initially, you know, which is sort of lay siege, like real siege, and then helps to just shock and awe or whatever. Yeah, right? exactly. Through. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't have that kind of power, actually. And so they're not able, they weren't able to do that, uh, for, which is good, I, you know, in one sense, but it's just sort of drawn out and over, over weeks and whatever. Hopefully it'll be over soon. I feel like there's some momentum, but we'll see uh, what, what comes out. Um, but I just sort of look at the trend, you know, looking at, at trends, where, where, where are things moving, you know, where, overall, like I, I try to take kind of like a general's perspective uh, and not be, the, not be so close to the ground because it's very difficult. It's very, it's very difficult. difficult to watch like footage of like blown out buildings and people sobbing yeah. and, you know, yeah, just confusedly. I, I can't do it on some no. level. No, I mean, I just donated I, money I to mind. a, I just donated money to a Ukrainian family today, actually this morning. Like, I met a guy and gave him some dough and, you know, yeah, we try our best. Probably give some money. And like, I have lots of people I know from that part of the world, like specifically people from Ukraine that I was calling and saying, hey, I'm really sorry about things that are happening. It's, mm -hmm. there's an element where it's people I like. Let yeah, this is personally, mm -hmm. this is one thing that this, you know, fortunately, this country is pretty united on now, actually, you know, mm -hmm. there's not there's not much else but this, you know. Yeah, so I kind of do what you do, I kind of check the general trends, because I, you know, I want, I want this kind of stuff to fail. Whenever yes, it happens, these kinds of military, like just kind of crazy, pointless aggressions to mm -hmm. just not work. So people eventually realize, well, let's stop doing this. Let's stop doing it. Correct. Yeah. But so it was interesting. So for context, we had seen each other over, again, going back to this person I know back from my hometown, from my home street, we had seen each other for dinner over uh, the holidays when she was in town. And um, we had a moment in our conversation, like she likes to talk a lot of philosophy. She's a philosophical person. And, you know, uh, I do this podcast, so it's pretty obvious that we're into it, <laughs> you know? So anyways, <clears throat> we'd gone out to dinner, <clears throat> excuse me, we got out to dinner and we had this conversation and, you know, she likes this philosophical stuff to talk about, but at some point she was like, well, listen, she said, uh, I'm a, like a purely materialistic person. I think that when this life is over, it's over. And then we're just all gone and that's it. And there's no spiritual aspect to a person that's transcendent of just this material body. That's just her take on things. Um, and I think she self-identifies as being kind of like a stoic or something, which is a funny thing for someone to identify as like some ancient Greek philosophy, but she does. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, 
Yep. Yeah. Something. What is that like the, the teachings of Seneca or something like this? Yeah. Seneca, Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> yeah. Marcus Aurelius. So I, I should be honest, like, um, th those view, those, those videos on stoicism actually uh -huh. on you, on YouTube are very popular. Uh-huh. No, very, there's a, there, very popular. Actually. There's a, there's a subculture of people who are interested. It's not a ton. It's the United States. You know, there's not a ton of people who are, no, but they have, they'll have millions. Know who have, Marcus Aurelius is. <laughs> they'll have a million plus views on, on numerous like videos yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we probably have to do an episode, some episodes on stoicism just yeah. to do it. Right. Um, anyway, so that's, you know, how many people are self-proclaimed followers or Marcus Aurelius? I don't know. A million? Yeah. You probably got a bump after Gladiator, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a bit, that was a bit ago. <laughs> yeah, but could be Gladiator. Yeah. Um, strong bump. It held up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that movie never dies, does it? Not really. Yeah, it keeps coming back. It's never really fully gone. The gladiator is always there, kicking ass and taking names. So anyway, so we had this deal and she was just like that. And I was like, okay, you know, and I'm not going to judge that at all. You yeah. Know, you and I are yeah, judgmental yeah, yeah. people. I was like, okay, that's the place you're coming from. If you put it into the Gnostic thing or a Sangha or into the tantric Buddhist stages of the path, well, that's like someone who's just not in this headspace of this and it probably would get judged like that person hasn't come to some realization of something they're supposed to get but we're not trying to judge people if they think different but that's what it would be but in any case it's like we're coming at it from totally different headspaces like this is really different you know our worldviews are not the same and in a certain sense it is like that gnostic thing where we're looking at things completely different she's in one space i'm in another space i don't want to judge higher or lower but we're not in the same space and i i, I wanted to answer honestly to what she was saying so I wrote back something like, well, I'm not watching these things like you. I want to look at more like a general's eye view to figure out where things are going. So hopefully it'll end soon, right? I want to pay attention to that. But otherwise, I'm not watching the videos of tragedy because it's tragedies I can't do anything about. I can feel compassion. Those things I can do, like maybe I can donate money to good causes or something like that. Anyways, it got to the point where... Uh, in the text, <laughs> which is a long text, we do long texts where I was just like, okay, so I like to think from a Buddhist point of view that even when someone is stuck in a tragic situation, like they're in some war torn city, maybe even you lose your life. But I like to think it, I would like to think it's a Buddhist world where that story doesn't end there. And even though this story is tragic now, it can change and go someplace else. And that story could become a no longer tragic story as, as, lives go on mm -hmm. now is that like some kind of optimistic delusion i'm perfectly willing to say okay maybe you know i think robert mm -hmm. durbin's willing to say the same but yeah. this is the space i'm coming from you know so when i look at these things i see it that way but it's obviously we don't see things the same way <laughs> and in a funny way she didn't write back about it but then i was like okay so maybe that doesn't there's a tension there you know that people don't see the world the same way. And in that sense, I think what those, that's what those Gnostics or like someone like a Sangha, maybe from the Buddhist world are trying to acknowledge. There's a legit difference of how people see the world. And, you know, it creates a tension that you just sort of can't deny. Mm. So I don't think the attitude is supposed to be then, like saying the tantric Buddhist stuff, it's not supposed to be like a cult. And you and I would never be in favor of that. No. cut ties with the people you know and like you know because they don't think the same just cut them no. out no 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 uh no and no one's trying to force you to pull away but there is kind of a strange thing that might be i don't want to say it's more voluntary but you start to realize like wow i really think different than these other people i i like kind of legit thing i like i don't see the world the same way i'll try to give other examples as we go but I'll, let me give you a chance to i think that tension i think that tension is important you know it is, and you know, you'll understand, you'll, you'll appreciate this. It's like sexual tension, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and like that there is something there that we are, you know, some party is acknowledging perhaps more than another, but it's definitely there, right? Uh -huh. And it's that tension. That's what makes it. That's what makes a sexual really, tension. You really went back to the to the gist of the show. You really went back to the tantric way of talking I'm, about. I'm this. doing that's it. You know what I mean? Someone's <laughs> got to go there, right? But uh -huh. that's that's what makes it hot. Right. That's, that's what that, that's what that part it is. It makes it interesting. It creates that tension sure. of interest. Right. right. But I'm saying from, from a sexual perspective, right. But from, from this perspective, that tension. But it also like, it's what creates interest sexually, but it also creates interest like intellectually or emotionally. Yeah. 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 And that's what I'm saying from, from this yeah. perspective, that tension forces the one who doesn't agree with the other one 
to have to look at their viewpoint again. Now they can double down and, and, and now I'll go back to what I said earlier about habituation and, and, and momentum moving you forward. You can continue to take that same viewpoint over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and never question it. And that's totally your prerogative. But if you have a conversation with somebody who has completely different viewpoints from you, I love when that happens because then it, they ask different questions that challenge me because maybe I've only been talking to people who believe the way that I do. And they're all going to go, yeah, Daniel. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. That's right. And where someone else doesn't respect me in the same way, they're like, what are you saying, dude? That doesn't make any sense. Have you heard yourself? You know, and it gives me an opportunity to take the perspective of somebody who is totally foreign, you know, and maybe I can either see things from a new perspective and say, oh, wow, I never thought of it like that. This is a good question. I'm going to bring that to somebody who I would like to ask that to. Or maybe I would say, mm, that's a really good question. I think we should talk more, <laughs> you know, because I, I might have, I might have a couple of things to oh, help to share to say you about with. this. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. But I like those opportunities. Now, not everybody's going to take those things, those opportunities and grow from them. They're going to fight and be like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. For me at the end, we don't know what happens afterwards. So might as well prepare as if, you know, we did, because if you don't prepare and you need it, then you're screwed. But if you did prepare and you're ready, hey, we did a good job. So it's one of these things. So that's about the reincarnation thing specifically, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess when I'm, I, we're almost kind of like, I'll give maybe one other story and then we can kind of react and we can say we did it. But and I'm glad we did it because I think it's a legit thing. I think if it's someone that you're not that close with and you're going through this process, well, that's okay. You know, this person and I am texting with, we're not that we're not that tight and it doesn't call a lot of attention and if for some reason she's like hmm, that was a shitty response from this guy you know uh, i'd be like oh okay that's fine <laughs> oh, we're, we're getting we're getting to the real parts right now we don't we... have to we don't have to like we don't have to talk anymore it's cool i mean if you know if she was like oh this guy has a weird way of looking at the world and mm -hmm. you know uh, it's totally fine <laughs> right between us. but if she was like that i'd be like okay that's cool right. but if you talk about people that you really are close with yeah you start talking about family, you start talking about significant others, you're talking about people who are close friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inti a, intimate relationships. This is a legit question. This becomes because you might find your attitude towards really major things changing. If all oh, of a sudden you're like, I was gonna go get that MBA, but now I'm not. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna go like, What? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're tuned you know? in, Eric, because that this is I'm, I'm right here with you, brother. You're, I don't know where I don't That's, know what you pulled out of the ether, but you pulled it out for me. So I mean, that's not a small question. All of a sudden people are like, wait a minute, we had a whole, I thought you were going to do that. And now you're telling me you're going to do this wholly other thing. Right. That like sounds really wacky to me. Yeah. You know? It's not a small question. And, um, and I just wanted to, I wanted to do it, do justice. Because really, if you think of major things in life, how you feel about your work and what you want to pursue, what you think is of value in the family, what you think of as value in relationships, how you want your relationships to look, you know, um, what your expectations are of them and so on these really quintessential things you're talking about differences that might start to appear with people you're really tight with and i think that's where you get these conversations because then it forces you to kind of look like well maybe me and this person really don't see the world the same way and then you got to figure out what you're going to do about that there's no real answer but i, I suppose some of the tradition says if people are legitimately different then maybe you just got to accept that you just don't see the world the same way and you might have to let some of those things go. We don't look at the world the same way. So we're probably not going to be close. And that's and so, painful. That's right, painful. And so what do you do? Yeah. Or what have you done? What do you do? What have you done when that's been, when that's Well, I guess up? I look at it in a very personal way, because I wanted to go slightly personal with this. Yeah, sure. It's the idea that like, like, I am asking this question a lot. And I've been talking with a lot of people about this and people that I'm like close with in different ways where I've been like, listen, I, me facing this even in myself going like, I don't think, I see the world really different than a lot of people see it. Man, I don't want to like, you know, uh, I don't ever want to be uh, proselytizing. I'm not trying to convert mm -hmm. anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to be uh, judgmental about people seeing things different than me. I sure. don't, though, that attitude doesn't go anywhere. But it has been weird for me to like realize like I don't see the world the same way as like a lot of folks, probably because I spend a shit ton of time studying Zen and Taoism and Tantrism, and I don't look at the world the same way. And I can't say it doesn't cause some problems. It causes some problems. <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm, I, my way of doing this is really like, I want to be honest about this, because I think it is something that is a big deal. I don't know if I have a total solution. There's a part of me that's kind of starting to come to the point of like, I want to harmonize with people. That's a very Chinese medical sounding word, very Chinese sounding word. I want to harmonize. 
but sometimes you start to realize it's harder to harmonize this because we legit don't see the world the same way. And it's not that easy. So anyways. So what, what, have, you, what, have, what have you done that, you know, ha, with people whom you have- I think to be honest, at this little point, I'm acknowledging like me and this person are probably not going to be that close. We're probably not going to get along. Okay. You know, and I might have to just accept this. But you know, my, my, my nature is a being, as a person is to try to be close with people. Yes. You know I mean, like I, yeah. I, when I love someone, I love pretty deeply. You know, I think you're kind of the same kind of person. I'm exactly. Yeah. I mean, if I have get to the point where I'm, yeah, I'm like acknowledging like, hmm, we're probably not going to be that close. We see the world differently enough where this is like legitimately a problem. It might be painful for both of us Mm. because we just don't see the world the same way. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for me, if I'm friends with someone, then I just immediately assume we're probably going to be friends for life unless you prove me other, unless you prove otherwise. You know, mm-hmm. and every relationship, you know, you're close with somebody for six months and you have something together and then you don't see him for a while. But, you know, there's always that kind of kinship that grows. But there are numerous times where that thing comes up. And, and this is for me, this is right. I'm like, I'm right in this thing right now. Someone who yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it actually personally, where I'm like, OK, I legitimately yeah. don't see the world the same way. And um, for whatever that means. But and I'm a very loyal person. I mean, I think we know each other and, you know, yeah. we can try to convince the listener. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we tend to like side on the side of loyalty. So if for I sure, yeah. decided that I'm close with someone, that's a big deal to me. And they're like, it takes a lot for me to like cut a tie. I'll tend not to do it. For but sure. It's interesting because I'll be like, okay, we're l- legit different. And it mm. could be go the opposite way. Maybe this other person would be like, why? We don't see the world the same way. And, you know, they won't want to be close from their side that you have to mm-hmm. accept. But that mm-hmm. could be painful. You know, you're going through something, you're transforming yourself. You think you're getting better. You think you're getting more wise. And to the extent that you can get more wise, you think you're seeing things more clearly and you don't agree with other people, then it's like, okay, that's a problem for this. You know, this other person doesn't feel close to me anymore. Maybe they, maybe, and I'll choose to go. And that hurts. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's so I want to I want to do it legit. It's real. This is a real thing. Yeah, and this is I would say I'm right here right now. Um, <clears throat> yeah. you know, shall remain nameless the individuals. Um, mm-hmm. but this is where it is and like I said, you know, la- you know, this has sort of been coming. Remain, it's been- remain nameless to protect the innocent, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't want I don't want to yeah, any- say in those cop shows. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't want anybody to get maimed. Over- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but this is sort of happening right now and I did a meditation last night and it was like a very clear thing that came through. It, would, it said freedom from appearance to move beyond the external appearance of that person and just see them for the being that I can see them to be the deep aspect of themselves. Like we talked about earlier about this, like clear sort of spirit, spiritual being, you know, and it definitely changed the way that I felt about them. So all of the kind of like irritation and disappointment and confusion uh, based yeah, on yeah. their actions that seemed unprovoked, you know, towards me. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like wrestling with how, oh, why did it? And then it was just like, that's not them. And then the message was very clear. That's not them. And from a shamanic perspective, I could be like, well, they went through a lot over the last few months. And if they picked up something along the way that literally is affecting their psyche, that would make a lot more sense than just this outburst of this person. I don't want to minimize what they've done for sure. I have to accept someone's actions in this reality because they did them. They're responsible for them. Just like how I am, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But simultaneously, how do I move forward? And so realizing that, you know, freedom from appearance gave me this freedom of, of sort of not being attached to that person in the way that I normally have been. And I could see them for the being that they are. And it gave me a sense of freedom actually from the relationship that like, even if we're not as close as we once were, I do not at this moment feel that sort of like I failed in the relationship perspective. You know what I'm saying? You and I are kind of a little bit like that. We could feel like we have a certain loyalty aspect of who we are. And I will try to be very loyal to people, even when it's not working or something. Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to try to be loyal. Mm -hmm. Sometimes above and beyond the call of duty, I'll try to like Mm -hmm. really try to be loyal. Um, because I, you know, the people that I'm close with, I value very deeply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's so, definitely. You know, if I say, if I say I love and care about someone, like I mean it, that that'll be for the rest of my life. I will never break that bond. Never break it. Never. But, yeah, I, I may, I may, I may, there, make... is a, there is a weird thing where you have to accept like, okay, this may not be right with this person. 
maybe they want to break it with you, or maybe it isn't quite right. You can't find a space that you can meet. It's interesting. The other thing is that not everybody thinks the same way, Eric. That's actually, also true too. That's they, not everybody true. thinks the yeah. same way. And so, you know, for people, you know, listening, <laughs> I feel like this has been an Eric and Daniel conversation. We sort of forgot about the audience, you know, a little bit, but no, I mean, I would hope that other people probably can relate to it. You know, you start to go through something where you start to transform, whether it's because you're seeing a therapist psychologically, or maybe you're doing yeah. some spiritual thing or some part of you starts to really start to change and you start to realize, oh, there's tension happening between yeah. me and the people I'm close with around me. Shit, I wasn't anticipating this. I'm getting better in my own eyes. Yeah. But for these people, I'm like, I'm not the same person I was and this is causing problems with them. I I hope, I mean, we're talking like our own examples, but I yeah. you know, I would think and that this would be something a lot of people would feel. And, and, I, and I could say for people like, it's difficult to sort of tailor what's impossible to tailor someone else's behavior, you know? in the way that you would always want them to be. Cause if they were always the way you would want them to be, they wouldn't be another person. They'd be you. And then you're just yeah. <laughs> existing by yourself. You might just be looking in the mirror. Exactly. <laughs> talking yeah. to yourself. Right. Yeah. Which works, but not, not so fun. But what you can do, you know, from my perspective is, you know, sort of do what I did and probably do what Eric does, which is take ownership of what you can do from your own seat, from your own perspective and work on the things that you can in terms of seeing that person in their in their best light, you know, reminiscing, reminiscing about the times that were good, that were positive, that you are why you have a, even a bond with that person now, and then see how the that their actions are affecting you. What does that pull up from you? What you know? What triggers or what kind of like, I don't know, em, emotional aspects is resonating in a negative way that's causing you to be outside of your normal mainstream of thinking, and work on that on your own first you know, before you engage with that person. And then when you engage with them, hopefully some of those things are not as hot buttony as they would have been if you didn't do that work. And now you can sort of be free from your own things to really engage with that person in their, you know, in their stuff. And if it still doesn't happen, it still doesn't work out or whatever, then you can at least move forward in whatever way it's going to be. Know that you're sort of clean. You know, you they, tried, you tried, yeah, as hard you as tried. You that's very important for me too. I do get that psychologically. I want to know like, okay, I tried to be loyal to this person to as much as I possibly could. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So the other part of this, and this is maybe a tease for like next episode, because it does relate to what our last subject matter was in this whole thing, which was what's the source of suffering in the world. Mm. Um, but I wanted to give one other example which relates back to kind of the Buddhist concept of conventional truth, which is part of this very funky Buddhist idea called emptiness or shunyata. So shunyata means like multiple things, but one of them is <clears throat> the conventional truths of like a certain culture and how people think, or maybe like within a certain subculture. So I hit across an interesting example. I'm sure I can text back and forth with this person and we're going to understand each other and it's no problem. So it's not like this is going to cause me a problem. But it is something where I realize it's there's a difference. Okay, so let me start a story. <laughs> Whether we do it totally this week, we can pick up it next week. Last week on Jin and Tantra. Uh -huh. um, so uh, maybe this will have to be an episode that ends with a cliffhanger. No, but, no, no. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to come up with examples of talking people where you really see the world differently, you know? And I have, um, uh, okay, so the context is conventional truth. Now, Full disclosure, if you've listened to more than like one episode of this show, you already know this. <laughs> I am not like a Judeo-Christian person. <laughs> mm, you don't say. Um, listen five minutes, you'll probably hear that. So I don't, and this is an interesting part about conventional truth, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit related to what causes suffering and problems in the world. But like what I found for myself is if I've gone along and I've done more of this Zen and more of these Taoist and Tantric Buddhist things and so on, what had really naturally happened was a critical eye turned towards the culture. We obviously that happens every fucking episode of this show. <laughs> um, but also, you know, you just don't believe in stuff that you used to. And in Buddhist thought, there's this kind of very deep idea that the conventional truths, the truths of like a society, a group of people in a certain place, you know, are kind of like just what those people believe. And there's probably not much more to that. There's probably not a lot holding that up beyond that. It's just what these people in this certain area just happen to believe. And this has been an issue with Buddhism like forevers. You know, Buddhism came in, into being in a place where there was like a caste system. And so Buddha had to go and say, this is made up. <laughs> this is total bullshit. There is no caste system. 
There are no castes. These things don't exist. This is just some weird shit that we made up in this culture, right? So this is a deep part of Buddhism. And what you can find, teaser for the next episode maybe, is that you'll start like thinking, I don't see the conventional truths of this culture the same way. Like, I don't believe in this shit anymore. And it's a problem. It's weird because all of a sudden you're talking with people and you're like, well, I, what you're saying, I'm not going to judge you on it, but I don't see any of this the same way at all anymore. And this is a weird problem to have. So I tried to come up with an example that was at least a little bit thought provoking. <laughs> so I was exchanging texts with this friend of mine who's part of like a, a group of people I know who are like more like in the polyamory community in Chicago. I know all kinds of people in all kinds of different parts of the world. And uh, no judgment for me at all in that. And I get along with the people all great. And so if you don't with polyamorous, it's people who have more relationships that are more open and they feel like it's okay to be romantically involved with more than one person at the same time. Okay, cool. So I know these folks. Wait, simultaneously? Yeah, at the same time, dude. That's okay, what simultaneously okay, cool. means. That could be like simultaneously, like legit simultaneously. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just told me some saucy stories. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, not yeah. one at a time. I mean, all together. That can happen too. Yes. So that's like whatever, whatever floats your boat. But yeah. When he and I were hanging out most recently, he told me some saucy stories. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with floating boats. <laughs> there were some boats that were floating. Oh, mm-hmm. perfect. Good. In a, like a swimming pool at uh, uh, some weird swingers club. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> but anyways, we were just shooting the breeze. Uh, and we happened to be texting today. And it was a weird thing because he started talking about... So, okay, this is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> If this makes any sense. I have to text him back about this. So what he what he was saying was that there's a certain kind of way that people think about this in this polyamory world. And I was like, okay, you want my honest reaction? It's like this. I got no judgment about any of these things, sure. but I'm not a Judeo-Christian person. And why am I not a Judeo-Christian person? Because that shit's all made up, you know? And none of that's really real. If you want to get down to the bottom of it, that's how it is. So a lot of what people think is influenced by a certain cultural paradigm. And that's how people think. But now you're telling me a bunch of polyamory things. And part of my reaction is that thing is a bunch of made up stuff <laughs> to have to, to try to address how a group of people feel about the other shit that's all made up. <laughs> so it's one group of made up stuff <laughs> talking about another group of made up stuff. And I got to write this guy back and say that. <laughs> so I think this is an interesting situation to be in because uh, you know, then you're in this weird situation like, well, that shit's made up. This other stuff that you're making up relative to this other made up stuff is also made up, you know, and I'll see how he reacts, you know, and I'm sure it's going to be cool. I don't think it's going to be a big tension between us, but it was an interesting moment to be in because I was like, hmm, interesting. I'm like in the space where um, uh, my sense of what is true based on the spiritual path that I've been involved with for a long time is putting me in a situation where I see things legit different than kind of pretty much everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in this conversation i'm not going to see it the same you know so if he was having a discussion with someone else who was like not a poly person i probably wouldn't agree with that person i probably wouldn't agree with him entirely either you know and part of the not agreeing would be probably because the thing is kind of made up and that's a buddhist problem and i'm, I'm using it as an example because it's just you know it just happened across my path and it's interesting you know to be in that situation but i was like yeah you know that's the nature of conventional truths with people and when you do a lot of this Buddhist stuff, you do a lot of this Taoist stuff, you get a little more tantric. Somehow there's this experience that's like, obviously, I think in Buddhism is supposed to be really, really important, which is that you start to see things as not having the substantiality. Now you're talking about emptiness, shunyata, and the nature of conventional truth. And you might find yourself really kind of being in your own space where the conventional truths of all kinds of people are no longer your truths anymore. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like, uh, a culture of counterculture, you know, even like you leave so one, one culture you're not into and the counterculture you're not into them necessarily either. Yeah. It's I mean, but judgment against anybody, but you're no, like, but yeah. you're in, but you're in another, you're in another group that has its own ideologies. You know, it's just different than the one that you were in previously from, from, you know, from that perspective, but, Oh, I see. You know, I, I think that it's important to feel like you have belief in what it is that you are seeing in the world and the way that you're seeing it you know, whatever, whatever it is, because at least then, you know, if what you are experiencing is provable or not provable for you, at least this is important for me. 
you know? I think that that's right. I think you have to, so that's, it's a very Buddhist thing, actually. On the one hand, you say, okay, I learned enough Buddhist philosophy where I can see that these are conventional truths. So the society has a conventional truth. This person has a conventional truth. Partially this conventional truth of this other counterculture way of thinking is like uh, a reaction to the conventional truth of the other side. And none of them are real. <laughs> that's like a very Zen Buddhist way to think. Right. And I'm just Zen-y saying Buddhist Taoist way to think. I don't saying, think that ever occurred to me before. I've never actually had that conversation with someone where I had to go, hmm. okay, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying in terms, whatever it is that you believe in, I think you should believe in it fully, even if you're wrong. Like you should believe in it fully. And then this, if it's your, you're proven wrong, then you then you could say, okay, I get to throw that out now. Let me let me learn and move to the next thing. You know, I, it's important because if you don't, then you're never really engaged in anything. You're sort of partially engaged in a in a bunch of different things, trying to piece it together. And that might work you know, following that ideology, but then you have to be committed to that. Just be, I think it's the, I, the, the overarching thing was to be committed, committed I to whatever I, it is that you're into. Existentially speaking, I agree. If you don't actually try yes. to throw yourself into something, well, you haven't yeah. really given it a decent shot. Yeah. You know, so if you're just, and that will happen to a lot of folks too. It's almost like that's a connected issue, right? You get people who are like, oh, I'm really interested in this or that, and they don't do anything. Correct. Like, well, you haven't put yourself in enough to figure out what it's actually going to do for you. Yeah. Right. So I think you have to do that. But I had never, I never really thought about it. I began to realize like, okay, you know, this is, this is something that's shunyata, the attitudes of the conventional truths of this world, place where I live, you know, and this is another thing that's a reaction to that other thing, like you were saying, and like, none of them are like, from a Buddhist point of view, they're all like just made up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, maybe like what the capper is on this discussion then is like, there's a certain, I don't know, there's a certain kind of loneliness to this, but a certain kind of freedom, maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you want to bring our words of the show back? You know, bring the words of the show back. There's kind of a freedom because you're like, okay, I think I know what my truth is of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like what you're saying, I'm, I'm willing to kind of like say, okay, yeah, I'm really into this. I think this is actually true. And I'll, I'll, I'll back my, my words up with how I am in the world. Mm-hmm. So that I'm, not, I'm not in a situation where I'm not putting myself into it enough where I'm not even like, speaking my truth and being true to my truth right that's what you're saying was, was part of the concern too right yeah yeah but on the other hand there's a certain part where you might feel a little bit lonerish uh maybe for next episode but my daughter's going through this a little bit northwestern she grew up in like with me <laughs> as her as her pops and there's this realization she's having where she's like you know i don't think i'm like any of these folks and i'm like probably aren't you know she's very like psychologically healthy She's like amazingly psychologically healthy person. She has like almost no psychological issues of any serious import at all, like crazy psychologically healthy. And I think part of the reason is because she's not wrapped up in fucked up conventional truths of this culture. Mm. I think that's true as a parent. I'm like, thank God you're like, you've dodged no, there's no drugs. There's no eating disorders. There's no fucked up shit with sex. There's no, none of it. Yeah. None of it's there at all. But she's having these moments where she's like, I think I'm really different from the people in this circle, I can go out with them, I can get drunk, I can have a good time, everything's good, but we don't, I don't think we see the world the same way. And I was like, okay, probably you don't. And part of the reason why you don't is because you're free to do that. Once you're free to look at the world in a different way, then probably you do. And then she's saying, well, I'm okay kind of being a little bit of a loner then. You know, I spend some time by myself and I'm really happy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like myself when I, when I want to go out to the bar and like, you know, uh, uh, and uh, pop out a little bit, I can pop out, you know? It's an interesting problem, you know, because there's probably some underlying underlying current of like, okay, I probably am neither fish nor fowl, and I don't fit in any of these things. Right. And then you have a certain kind of freedom, but there might be a certain kind of loneliness associated with that even. Yes. But if you're comfortable with yourself and who you are, you maybe feel even more psychologically healthy and better by yourself. Be so maybe you. That's a way to cap up, maybe that's a way to cap up an episode. That's right. Be you 100%. I'm actually kind of a little inspired by her. I was telling you that. I was like, this is pretty fucking amazing the way you're doing this. I'm like very proud of you. And in some ways I almost look and say, I admire it in you that you're doing this. I don't think I could have done that in my twenties at all, you know, or like late teens, late teens, early twenties. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. You know, go you. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. But it's all right, my long. friend. Yep. Cool. Well, uh, well we did it. We, we went deep into it. We, we went deep. Personal. We, yeah, mm-hmm. we did it. We went in there and we, uh, you know, we came out the other side unscathed. Mm-hmm. and hopefully a little bit better for the journey that's right Mm -hmm. that's right that's that's what it's all about uh well as always eric thank you so much for spending time with me and 
thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in to us this week, last week, the weeks previous and the weeks following. Uh, we are doing this thing and we appreciate all the feedback that we get. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, if you would uh, shoot us a quick five-star blasted review saying, my God, amazing. Uh, that would definitely help our, our rankings. And, and no matter what platform you are listening to us on, if you would share with somebody, we would appreciate it. Even if you spam their inbox with a hundred of our different episodes, just to annoy them, uh, that would be fine. Also, I, we definitely still appreciate that. Uh, either way, you can hit us up on the gram at uh, Gin and Tantra, or you can send us an email with, uh, you know, some if you have some things that you'd like us to cover. We definitely have done that before. Um, you can hit us up at ginandtantra at gmail.com. For Eric, this is Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Get together.